Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. So good to be here. Yeah, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Jess. And so Shafin and I have the wonderful privilege of um, being the senior leaders here at Oceans Church. And we just, one of our favourite things on earth, um, two of our favourite things on earth is visiting you guys and working with your amazing campus pastors. They are fantastic. Who loves Pastor Jane, Pastor Ash? Yeah, come on now. I know. You know, we get to see the back end of things a bit with them. And they like really legit love you guys. Like, Shafe and I were walking the other day and we were like, oh my goodness, Jaden and Ash are like proper good pastors. They love their community. They sacrifice for their community. They care for their community. And I just am so inspired by their dedication, their devotion to their Oceans family. And so, you know, I just wanted you guys to know that in case you ever doubt it, we see the back end and we know, we know, we know they are incredible and you're very blessed to have such awesome campus pastors. Yeah, you are. Yes. <laughs> so um, we are, I'm actually, I think some of my brain cells are not working because of the heat. Because even though there's air conditioned in here, it's still probably quite a bit hotter than my natural environment where we live in Albany, right? And so <laughs> forgive me if I drop any words out or, you know, appear to have a moment because, <laughs> whew, what did you say? Was it, someone say it was 45? Five today is that that can't be right. Forty six. What is going on? This is insane. <laughs> I was like in a cold air conditioning room for the past like fifteen hours. <laughs> I came out today. I was like, oh, okay, right. I don't actually own summer clothes, just so you know. Um, <laughs> so that's why I'm always in my winter outfit because you don't need summer clothes in Albany. So anyway. <laughs> So cool to be here. Thanks, Chris. I love this. How cool is this? What a burst. What a bright, beautiful, what do you call these things? Graphic. (laughs) What a beautiful graphic. And it so beautifully depicts the theme that we are going into. This is our word um, for the next few weeks, flourish. And do you know that the word flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as a result of a particularly congenial environment? So good. What is this environment? Ready? Psalm 92.12 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. In the Hebrew word, Flourish means to break forth as a bud, to sprout, to shoot, to bloom, blossom, grow, fly as in extending wings, break forth abundantly, break out of something like poor health, spreading, springing up. How cool is that? We flourish. God's plan and intention for you is to flourish. And we flourish where we are nourished. We flourish where we are nourished as Schaefens. We wrote this message together. <laughs> we can establish it. So when we establish ourselves deeply, when our roots go down deep, and what we mean by that is we go down deep into our friendships, our relationships. The church is a people. It's not a building. We are not plants after all. We don't have roots. But we do have uh, roots in the sense of going down deep in our relationships, getting into the community, getting connected, investing the way Pastor Jade and Pastor Ash invest. We can all invest in that way and go down deep. And the Bible says that when we do that, this is an environment that is conducive 
conducive to our flourishing. So this is the year that we are going to flourish, Oceans Church. Say flourish. Flourish, so good. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you're the one Holy Spirit that speaks. And so I ask right now that you would fill this room and that you begin to speak to people, that you would cause the words that we speak out, your word to become real and living and alive in people's hearts. Father, we just thank you, God, that your word pulls down other thoughts and other things that would say that you're not true or depict you in a way that isn't right, but you are good. And as we speak out this word, Lord, let it dismantle thoughts that hold people captive. Let your work do its work in people's hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So here at Oceans Church, we like to cultivate an environment because remember, flourishing comes down to the congenial environment. We like to be diligent and intentional about that environment that we together create because the church is made up of people and so we all contribute and bring something to that environment. And so we've actually got three statements over the next three weeks that we're going to be speaking into and the statement that we're speaking into today that we want to encourage you to adopt and embrace as a part of this church is we are family. Now, this morning when Shafin said that, he then broke out into a song, but I can't sing. So you know the song. <laughs> John 1.12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So when we embrace Jesus, when we accept him into our lives, when we put our faith in him and we trust him, we lean on him, we allow him to lead us, shape us, mould us, change us into who he is, that's what it is to be a Christian. And when we make that, take that step, we actually become children of God. It's awesome. Yeah, we receive that right. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore, and this is Paul speaking to some you know, new Christians. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It's a bit of a mouthful, I use the NKJV version because I love it. It's very poetic and excessive. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> but the work of God in your life, once you belong to him, is to fit you together with other believers, growing you together into a dwelling place for God in the spirit. And so our personal relationship with God is deeply, deeply personal. Like no one can have a relationship with God for you. But when you enter into that relationship with God, actually because of the way he builds us all together, your community, your church, community becomes absolutely central to the outworking of that relationship. So God intends his family to be, um, to be hang on, I've missed a verse. Aha. So whether or not you realise it, your family is completely key, central to the work of God in your life. It's central to you flourishing and it's central to the active work of God in your life. So 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. So this is another way to view it. And you have God, and if you're a son or daughter of God, if you're born into the family of God, you love one another. You have a love for one another. It shows that this, this faith is active and working in your life. And I think that God really wanted to put it this way because, you know, when we become um, Christians, we, be, we have this word that's called 
discipleship. And so actually that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that's actually transforming you to become more and more like God. And this is such a great thing because God is so beautiful. He's so good. He's so um, wonderful. He's filled with all of the things in some ways that we're not. And so as we become more like him, that's a joyful thing. That's a great thing. That is a satisfying thing. But generally... We have a lot of stuff and issues in our lives that the Holy Spirit starts to mould and shape and change and grow in you and it's not always such a comfortable thing, right? It's not always that easy. And so God is sort of saying, you know, I'm putting you in a family that is going to love one another because if we don't love one another, we're kind of going through this process of discipleship alone and we're intended to support one another in that. We're intended to go with one another in that. And so this is the idea. So you, you come into, the, into faith in Jesus, you get put into this family, you get knitted together and he grows up you into this family where his spirit dwells and this family is supposed to love. Children of God love one another. And so in this incredible environment, you begin your discipleship journey. And so Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so God is sharpening you. He's refining you. And that happens. That's a process that happens when you're planted in the house of God. And so that process produces in your life righteousness. It produces in your life peace. And this is the foundation for flourishing. Jeremiah 18, 4. So this is about the potter. You may have heard of the potter's hand. So this is, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, I cannot, can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand." And so this has become a really famous analogy in Christian circles that we are like a lump of clay. So flattering, huh? <laughs> it's like there's no ego here. <laughs> and, and that our God, our Father, he shapes us in his hands. And uh, you know, the way a, a, pot, a pottery is made is you watch a potter, they actually apply pressure to certain parts of the jar, often sustained pressure, and it gets moulded and shaped into what is intended. And this is the process. So I feel like it's a really apt example example of what God does in our lives, where he, he positions us in a family, he moulds and he shapes us, he applies and allows various pressures and circumstances that if we hang in there, we'll be shaped into his likeness. And this is a beautiful thing and it's a safe place, but it's a vulnerable space for us, right? God loves us. He's shaping you into being more like him, which is a wonderful thing. This is a good thing. This is going to be satisfying. This is going to be fulfilling. You are going to flourish in this space. There's so many scriptures we can give you that talk about how righteousness and God's ways produce peace, produce uh, flourishing in your life. But it is a vulnerable thing. And so we grow together. We come together. We understand the process that each of us are going through when we're in faith. We get it. We understand that we're being shaped. We understand that it's not always comfortable. We understand that sometimes it's a bit messy. Sometimes we say things we don't mean or we act the way that we shouldn't and all these things happen. But in the context of family a stable, loving family environment, this can outwork and we can be all a part of that process. And this is why, because stable, loving family is so key to us flourishing, this is why we want to encourage you to adopt the statement, we are family. This is God's design. This is God's intention. So I don't know if you've noticed though, the church can sometimes be anything but 
a stable, loving family that I have just described. <laughs> you know, and so, because after all, it's filled with people that are becoming like Christ, <laughs> but not become yet. And so, you know, I actually, we've been praying around this actually, and I just feel like God's shown um, us that there's a position, a key position of our hearts that can really make all the difference as to whether we're a functional family member or not. <laughs> where we can either experience and contribute a loving church family or where we flourish or where we struggle and we're broken and insecure. So let's go to Luke fifteen eleven, where we find the story of the prodigal son. Now, Jesus is telling a parable. A parable is a story that is meant to describe a point. And so um, he's got like the spiritual elite over here, Pharisees they're called. They got it all right. They grew up in the faith. They know all the ways of God, all the rules. They keep them all perfectly on paper. They are the bomb. They look awesome, right? And then over here, you've got what they call the sinners. And the sinners are like, they're newbies. They're new. They don't know anything about the ways of God. They're working it all out. They've done terrible things. They're probably still doing terrible things, and they're there trying to understand what it is to be in the family of God. And so this is Jesus' audience. And it's gotten a bit complicated, these two groups getting along, as you can imagine. And so he tells a story that really just gets right to the heart of it, and I hope that it can get to the heart of a few things for us too. So Luke 15, 11 says, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed <laughs> to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. So I just want to stay, take a moment here just to say that this guy, this young son, it was so dishonouring that he did that because, I mean, it sounds bad, but it was especially bad in that culture because he's basically saying, I wish you were dead, you're dead to me, Dad. And then he took everything that his father worked for for his whole life and left. And actually in that community in those times, family didn't really leave one another. They grew up together. Three or four generations lived together. And so it wasn't like we do now. You grow up and you leave home. In fact, if you haven't left home, your parents are like, come on, out you go. Where's the independence plan? You know, that's now. But back then that wasn't how it worked. The family, the bigger, the better, the more the people, it was the safer, the more provision they had, the more wealth they had, the, just, you know, all of that. So that, so get that picture in your head, like medieval family. <laughs> so that, so when you got one that's like, hey, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your money. I'm out. That was just like the height. Like he, this, he was the lowest of the low, the scum of the earth. He's often portrayed in this story as like the one we all like. He is the lowest of the low. He literally is. And so then keep going. About this time, about the time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. 
When finally he came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he gets his little speech, off he goes, back to his father. And while he's still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, here's the speech, I've sinned against heaven and earth and I am no longer worthy of being called your son and then he got cut off with the rest of his speech about being hired and his father said to his servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening we must celebrate with a feast this son of mine for this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life he was lost and now he's found and so the party began Oh, what a stunning representation of who God is to us. The Father is, of course, our God, our Father. And God, you know, He wants you to be with Him. He wants you in His house. He cares a whole lot more about you being with Him now than anything you've done in the past. Nothing can separate you from the love of Father God. And so we agree with God, of course. <laughs> there is a place for you to belong at Ocean's Church. doesn't matter what you've done, pending all our very strict and safe processes to protect our community and our children. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> there is a grace approach here. There is, this is the firm foundation of our faith. It is based in grace. It is not based on what you do. Notice that the younger son believed that his way to belong again in the father's house was to become a slave. And you know, I just wonder, do any of you here feel the same? Are you trying to belong again? Or have you come in? Or have you been here for a long time? And you think the way to belong is because of what you do and you're trying to earn that. It's nothing we do in you know, the forefront of our mind. We don't think, oh, yes, I'm going to earn my place by doing this, this, and this. But it's something that comes out of our heart when there's brokenness inside of us. Working hard, not secure. Maybe you don't experience the church as a place of security, but instead you're working hard for performance, for acceptance. You know, this is actually not an external problem. This is to do with the state of the heart. Often this is like, oh, that church or that place or this thing, they expect this and that. Now, I'm not saying that it isn't in the culture in some places because leaders and pastors can also have this issue and this brokenness in their heart. But what I'm just trying to say is it's actually, it's not an external thing. It is an internal state of the heart. And it's something that God is in the business of healing and restoring us to be his true family, his sons and his daughters. You know, notice that the father, this is so incredible, he immediately restored all the symbols of sonship. He celebrated him extravagantly. And I just think this must have gone a long way to healing and restoring the son from a place of slavery to a place of sonship. Because even though he had returned home and his father embraced him, accepted him, it doesn't mean that the attitude and the habits and the ways of the slave automatically fall off, does it? And I think the father knows that. Because there's a second part to the story. So let's go to the next part. There's an older son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants, what is going on? And they said, your, your brother is back. And he was told 
He, oh, your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. There's something about this calf, eh? <laughs> we are celebrating because of his safe return, and the older brother was very angry and wouldn't go in. His father once, his father came down and begged him, but he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me, and all that time you never even gave me one young goat to go and feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found." What a contrast. You know, the younger brother who did everything wrong has been restored and is back in the house living out his identity as a son. But the older brother who did everything right, who never left, who was always there physically, is now locked out of enjoying the fattened calf, or whatever that is, (laughs) enjoying the party because it turns out that whilst he was a son on the outside, he was a slave on the inside. And so even though he was there in his father's house, he was not flourishing. How devastating. All of those years. And so I just wondered about you. Are there those of us here that are are, are planted in the house or we're trying to be planted in the house? Because those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, but we can really only be truly planted in God's house if we identify as God's kid. Otherwise, we're living in God's house, trying to pretend, kind of pretending, trying to look the part, but our roots aren't going down deep because really we're just visitors. Really, we're just passing through, you know? We feel like an imposter, perhaps. We're just, we're just not going deep. You know, and this, I guess, you know, slave mentality or hired servant or worker or whatever you want to call it mentality, it really affects us and hurt people hurt people, right? <laughs> so it affects the soil of our church. It affects the environment. You know, and so one of the ways that we can see it, and I just, you know, this is, this is I'm just going to run through a few things because I just want you to be asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is this something that I'm living out of? Am I living out of a place of belonging and, you know, sonship or daughtership? Or am I living out of a place of obligation and, and slavery? And so these are some of the places it can affect us. It can affect us in our serving at church. Because you see, a son serves with passion, intention, and joy. A son or daughter or brother or sister or mum or dad, like when you're building, you know, you're at home, you might be building, setting up your patio, you might be, you know, weeding the garden, whatever. Like it's like, you know, it's hard work. But you're doing it because it's your home. You're providing an amazing place for your kids. You're building for your future. Like this is good. This is joyful. This is fun. This is, oh, this is good. When you're a son or a daughter, when you identify, you belong, this is what it's like to serve in church. You're building something for your future. You're contributing to your community. This is the place that's going to nourish you. This is the place that your kids are going to raise up in. This is the place where you hope to grow old with the people sitting next to you. This is worth it. That is the position of someone who belongs. But a slave serves to maintain, to tick a box, finds no joy in it expects no future in it, is exhausted, and a slave is so vulnerable to offence and bitterness. You just are. It's such a vulnerable place. 
And that's why we want to preach about it. That's why we want to speak about it. We want to highlight it because we want to invite people to come into healing and identify as a son or a daughter because this is exhausting. This is the recipe for burnout. This is the recipe for derailing your faith over time. This is the enemy's intention for your life to steal, kill and destroy. This is not a loving father for you in a loving family. The other place that it affects is our relationships. You see... A son or daughter, when I say son, I mean daughter too. The Bible's funny like that. It uses like a lot of male language, but it doesn't exclude women, just in case you've been wondering. A son belongs. A son or daughter comes as they are, and they are okay with you seeing their good bits and their not so good bits. A son is vulnerable, open, willing to grow, change, develop. A son sticks with their family through the good times and the bad times, bringing their strength, their resource to aid their family. They're invested, they're pouring time and effort sacrificially to help their family. What hurts the family hurts the son or daughter. What benefits the family benefits the son or daughter. They make all their decisions. It's a we first rather than me first. It's what's good for us rather than what's good for me. The slave mentality, hurt people hurt people. It's damaging to the family of God because it brings the opposite to grace. A slave views their own acceptance as being based on their performance and therefore all other relationships are judged in that way. If my performance is how I'm accepted, then your performance is how you're accepted. And there is not a single relationship on earth that is based on performance that is secure. That is an insecure relationship and there's plenty of studies that show us this is not the ideal environment for anyone, but especially a child or a new Christian being raised up in the family of God. And so this is why we're speaking into it, because we want to eradicate slave mentality because it hurts you and it hurts others. You know, when you think about the prodigal son, you look at that family The slave mentality, it caused separation, right? It caused brokenness in the family. You know, right at the end there, the older son would not go into the house because he was so angry. And like the story kind of ends there. But if the trajectory continues, I'm not thinking the older son stuck around, hey? He was so angry he couldn't, wouldn't go into the house. Hmm. (laughs) I say that caused separation, just when they got their younger son back. And I highly doubt the younger son who we like, oh yeah, he's the son, la la la, but he was the scum of the earth, remember? (laughs) He, you know, I don't think he was like this beautiful son who felt that belonging and then just got up and left. There would have been seeds of slavery in his heart that would have been nurtured there to cause him to do what he did, of course. So, you know, perhaps for him, he watched his older brother tick all the boxes and thought, heck, I can't do that. Maybe he didn't feel like he belonged. Maybe it was just more run-of-the-mill. The grass is greener. He wasn't grateful for what he had in his family, perhaps. Maybe he just thought, you know, I want more um, entertainment. I want more party friends. I want, you know, more experiences, you know, whatever it is. You know, and instead of tending and building that family and praying for, you know, children or whatever to be expanded, whatever it is, he just, he left took his strength, he took his resource, took it away from the family that raised him and took it elsewhere. This is slave mentality, right? And we often focus on the son, wasteful living, blah, 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 but I'm just like, he left. 
He left. Surely this is like the biggest thing in the story that he left. It would have been absolute shock in that culture. Absolute shock. Like I was talking before, you don't just leave your family. So, you know, in a similar way, I really want to highlight this whole thing about being a son or being a daughter versus being a slave. Because I feel like we are in a new pandemic of people coming and going and coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. And you might think, oh, it's Ocean's fault. Well, I actually happen to have a bird's eye view and have a lot of friends who are pastors. And I'm telling you, it's everywhere. Every church is afflicted by this pandemic. So I just want to bring it up. I just want to say, you are absolutely free to leave Ocean's Church. We will love you as we have demonstrated many, 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 many times. We will love you. We will have grace for you, right? But I just want to talk about it because those of you who are here, who are sons and daughters of Ocean's Church, I just want to say, you know what? I know it hurts. Hurt people hurt people. And I know that it hurts. I bet that father, when his son walked out on him and went and, you know, did that whole thing, I bet he bled for a long time. And we can see it because he was waiting for his son to come back. And when his son came back, he ran and he pulled him back in. We can see the pain. You know, he left a brother. And and for a lot of us, we're that brother, we're that father, we're that sister, we're that daughter, that mother, that father, you know, whatever it is that's, that's been left behind, you know. And so... I just want to speak into this because, you know, I think that it's important that somewhere in there that we as the Christian church, the broader Christian church, because it doesn't matter really which church you're in, as long as you choose one and get planted, I think that we need to break this vicious cycle. And so that's why we're speaking into it, even though it's a little bit uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm speaking into it for the sake of the sons and daughters here at Ocean's Church who are left with these nursing broken hearts. You know, for me, I don't know, I think that slaves treat church like as an organisation, right? And to leave an organisation is no big deal, is it? You know, it's designed for that. Organisations are designed to leave. You work for them, you come, you go, all of that. It's still a bit tricky, having been in HR for years, having to replace staff and everything, but that's kind of the point. But a church is actually designed by God to be a family. And so when people treat a family like an organisation, it's not fitting. People that treat churches like organisations don't understand. They don't understand, right? They don't understand. But if you're a family member who's been treated like an organisation, you do feel quite used. You do feel like a commodity. You do feel so insecure, Oh gosh, like, whoops, I preached something they didn't like and they're out the door. Whoops, I didn't call them when this thing happened and they're out the door. Oh, whoops, um, you know, whatever. Like, all sorts of stuff happen in family life, doesn't it, right? All sorts of stuff and we just become so insecure when, when we live out of a performance mentality. And so I'm here to say, don't do it. Don't adopt a performance mentality, even if you've been used and treated like a commodity. Do not bow to it. It's the, it's the enemy. It is the way of the enemy, and we are sons and daughters of God, so do not bow to it just because that, that, don't let that person sin 
affect your identity as a child of Christ, right? And so I'm here to say that actually, even though it's painful, I've, I've, I've shown you in the scripture how it is God's plan. A family. He's knitting you together as a family. And I can tell you this, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And no weapon formed against the church will prosper. So there is great hope for you, my dear, beautiful family, who I know have experienced pain. Hang in there. You can't beat them, so join them is sometimes the idea. Can't beat them, join them. I've done that before, like in Albany, everyone goes away in July. Can't beat them, join them. I go away in July too. (laughs) That's not the answer in this case. (laughs) Because the problem is actually everywhere. It's not actually oceans. This problem's everywhere. I've talked to lots of pastors and many are, they're all afflicted with this pain. (laughs) The family, this is everywhere. So that's not the answer, but walk with perseverance. And I know that God will see the desires of your heart fulfilled. And I guess, you know, to anyone that's struggling or realise, oh my gosh, maybe I'm living out of a slave mentality, I just want to invite you to step into a different type of walk. I want to invite you to identify as a son or a daughter of God to break the cycle because this is according to your revelation that Jesus gives you. Like it's not like, oh yeah, they said I'll be a slave so I can't ever leave the church. It's not like that. It's like go before God and prayerfully go, God, you know, I want to live out of a place of sonship and daughtership. I want to edify and build and contribute and strengthen and nurture your beautiful church. Like, what does that look like for me? And then one revelation at a time, one person at a time, we can break the cycle that this pandemic that sprung up around the place. You know, why don't we stand? Why doesn't worship team come back? You know, I really, I just, I want to invite you to step into sonship. A place of deep belonging, a place of healing and security, hope, nourishment, a place where you can flourish. You know, just like the father did with his younger son, the father wants to, the father wants to clean you, wash you clean. He wants to put a ring on your finger and clothe you in the finest jacket, right? I believe that the one move that we can make here at Ocean's Church to say we are family is to choose to stay. We choose to, when we choose to stay, we embrace family. When we choose to stay, we walk out the path of a son or daughter. When we choose to stay, we protect, strengthen, nurture and build the house of God that will nourish us and nourish our children and nourish little baby Christians for generations. When we choose to stay, we become a true family, a healthy family, a family that is secure and able to put our roots down deep into relationships. When we choose to stay, we embrace the work of God in our lives that is fitting us all together with others, building us into that holy temple, a spiritual dwelling place for the Spirit of the Lord. When we choose to stay, we are actively loving others and by this love, we know and have confidence that we are truly walking out what it is to be a son or daughter of God. Why don't you close your eyes? Let's just pray for a moment. Yeah, Lord God, I just thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the picture, for that story that depicts you as that loving Father that we know you are. And Lord God, I just pray right now that you, that people here will encounter your love. 
Let your presence fall in this place. Let your love fall in this place. Thank you, God, that your love overrides fear. It overcomes pain. It overcomes hurt. It overcomes insecurity. That in your perfect love, all fear is driven out. So we just command fear to go in this place in Jesus' name. Spirit, would you speak to the hearts of your precious children, whether they see themselves that way or not. Their identity is child and nothing can separate them from your love, God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would whisper to your children versus anything that would dismantle the hierarchy of slavery in their minds. We pull it down by the Word of God in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that while the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, you have come to give life and life to the fullest and that your ways and your light and your your work is much stronger, much greater, that you are victorious. That Thank you for the cross, Jesus, where you um, absolutely broke us free from the bondage of sin and darkness. And so these things that exist in our hearts and minds do not need to rule. And so we declare peace. We declare freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, I bring before you every person here that's nursing a broken heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring healing, Father. Pray that you would bring together. Yeah, I know we just speak out, like we just send out insecurity in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, again, that, you know, in perfect love, cast out all fear. And insecurity is that, is that fear. We just send it out in Jesus' name. And I ask, Father, for for healing, Lord. We ask for fresh vision, fresh hope, Lord God. I pray you would call in your sons and daughters, Lord, that we would journey together, Father. Lord, I just pray that you would rise up within us a spirit of gratefulness, Lord. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for all that you've given us, God. We're so thankful to you, Father. You've given us, you've been so generous, Lord God. We thank you for this incredible place, this church, this worship, your presence that comes here. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the many people that have encountered you for the first time. We thank you for growing intimacy. We thank you, God, for the healings. Lord, we thank you that we're about to hopefully step into a building. Lord God, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for the vision for the future of this church, Lord God, that you are pulling us all together, that we are living, breathing organism coming together as your place where you dwell with us, Lord God. We thank you for the provision of friends. Lord, we thank you for people that love us, God. Lord, we thank you for them, Father. We forgive where there's been mistakes, Lord. We just choose now to forgive our brothers or sisters where they've overlooked us. They didn't support us like we thought, Lord, perhaps, I don't know, whatever it is, help us to forgive, Lord. Let there be a grace. You know, we don't want to ever leave a service without giving people an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. So we're gonna pray again in a moment. You know, like the father who um, who was looking and waiting for his son to come home. That's the father's heart to every person. 
He wants to be with you. He wants you to be with Him. He wants a connection with you. And just like the son that came home and discovered total love, no condemnation, that is what Jesus wants to do for you today, right now. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.